Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. I'm not going to turn it in anything into a song because I've been told <laughs> that I turn too many things into songs. So I will just say, my name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is January 21st, 1995. And we're not singing here today. <laughs> it seems so weird without you singing, though, like... Like a deflated balloon or something. Mm, interesting. Like like 99 luft balloons? Exactly. Mm. It's too bad. <laughs> too bad that I can't sing since I know both the German and English versions of the song. That really is too bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, sad news. What? What's wrong? What's sad? My... Parents unceremoniously canceled their subscription to the Detroit, to the Detroit for Press. Ugh. And what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to have to. There's no news this week because I have no access to the news. Shame. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to get my own subscription to it and go from there. Hey, um, on the way over here, did you forget that, like, you can just stop at any gas station or convenience store and put, like, a quarter into the thing to get the paper? On my way over where? To where we record. Where are we recording this from? My house. Wait, this entire time we've been here at your house? Yeah. Okay. All right. (laughs) Anyway, so you know how every week I'm begging you people to, you know, write us and let us know that you're actually listening? No. Well, guess what? What? Two people did. Oh, wow. Right? I was so excited. What did these fools have to say? (laughs) Well, our first message was from Cindy. Stop singing, Cindy? What? What? Is it stop singing, Cindy? She no. wants me to stop singing. No. Oh, okay. It says love she, this. You, you seem to be, you seem to be on the same page with her. Oh, buddy, buddy! I just I thought maybe, you know, she was part of your cabal. Ah. Uh, you're 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 no fun. You're no fun. Footloose town uh, preacher. No singing. No fun. Attitude. Yep, that's right. That's what, I am. I am no fun. That's what I thought she was. Don't drink, don't dance. What do you do? Anyway. I'm familiar with Adamant. (laughs) I can't sing it, but I know it. (laughs) Love the show. Mm -hmm. Hello, Carol. My name is Cindy, and I just wanted to write and tell you that I love your show. Mm. You and Mark are so cute together, and I love your chemistry. And my singing? I was wondering if you're planning on doing another show after my so-called life, as Mark (laughs) likes to say. Anyway, thanks for the time and keep up the great work, Cindy. So, Cindy, I mean, yeah, if if we ever, you know, run out of episodes of my so-called life for sure, but I mean, this show is going to be on. This is a great show. Oh, yeah. 
I don't see it going anywhere. This show's going to be on for years to come. Yes. I mean, I, I imagine we're going to see, like, Angela, Rayanne, Jordan, Brian will be in, like, college. Maybe they'll even, like, get married, have yeah. babies. It yeah. It's, it's going to be... It's going to be what Saved by the Bell the college years couldn't be. <laughs> but let me tell you, Cindy, this was my very first letter, and I was so excited. I did, like, a little happy dance, so it's, thank you so much. It's the first email she's ever received. Well, not the first email I ever received, but the first email I ever received about our show. Okay. I mean, you know, you write me emails all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I can't sing in them, but yeah. <laughs> Oh, get over it. Um, the next one is from Jason. It says, hilarious. Mark and Carol. Hey, what's up? My name is Jason, and I just wanted to tell and you I that I love the show. And I murder people at Camp show. Crystal Lake. What? I said, and I murder people at Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> and whenever I'm murdering, I love to listen to your show. <laughs> How do you decide what movies you're going to watch? How do you know what TV shows to watch? Well... It says, love the show, Jason. Well, Jason. Uh, we look in the newspaper, Jason. You <laughs> fucking moron. <gasps> Don't insult our fans. <coughs> oh, my goodness. How do we decide what, what movie we're going to see, Jason? We, we look in a newspaper and see what's playing. How do we know what shows to watch? Uh, ever heard of TV Guide? You're so mean. Well, why would you answer that question? I what the would... fuck are you talking about, Jason. I would say that we have, you know, like a discussion about like what we want to see and we take turns picking and compromise and stuff. Oh, is that what he means? I, I believe oh, so. Apologies, Jason. Okay, go ahead. Well, I said it. it. I already said I just did. Oh, okay. So we have discussions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, that's how we decide. <laughs> we, you know, like... I could see asking that question if we were trying to decide, like, I don't know, let's say that we wanted to watch a an older show. Right. Or an older, yeah, like an older TV show. What if we wanted to know, like, what was on, you know, Sundays? At 25 eight, years at ago? 8 o'clock. Yeah, 25 years ago, so... You know, 19, 1970. So I guess we'd go to the library mm -hmm. and get an old copy of the TV guide. Right. Yep. And then we'd see what was, you know, on then. Mm -hmm. And then we would have to find some way to get a copy of those shows. Right. So. What do you think was on in 1970 uh, on Sunday nights? Uh, Get Smart. No, um, 65 to 70, I believe, yes. So, yeah, I think so. How about Doctor Who? <laughs> Aw, poor, poor guy is still coughing with a cold. Doctor Who, um, I guess. It wouldn't have been on American TV, but... No? No. Oh. Doctor Who was a BBC thing, so... Okay. Um... But yeah, uh, 1970, I think it's too early for Little House in the Prairie. Like not a lot, but a little bit too early, I believe. And like the Waltons, it's probably a little too early for that. Yeah. How about like the Jetsons? Maybe. The Flintstones. Bonanza, Ponderosa. <laughs> 
The A team? No. <laughs> the A team was like 1982. Okay. 1982 to like 1986 or something like that. The so, A team. So yeah, that's what we do. Um, Mr. T was a teenager. <laughs> we just look and see what's playing and watch it. Yep. And we talk about it. And then we talk about it. Uh, and we wait until we get in front of our tape recorder mm-hmm. to talk about it. So generally, you're getting the most fresh gen- opinion. Generally, yeah. Generally, we don't do much discussion. Yeah, we try not to. So this, speaking of my so-called life, mm-hmm. this week's episode. Was my so-called uh, husband. <laughs> it was, um, I don't know, it was not the best episode. Um. Well, yeah, it focused a lot on the parents. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's not that good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the storyline parents... is always kind of... I mean, I just, I feel sad every time the parents are yeah. interacting with each other. Well, yeah, and I mean, they had the more exciting storyline this time around, which is not good. Like, the kids should mm-hmm. always have the more exciting storyline. Agreed, yeah. So... Angela's parents are going out of town Mm -hmm. with Angela's uncle and his girlfriend, Marla. Yeah, Marla Maples. But when they show up, it's not Marla. No, it's uh, Ivana Trump. (laughs) Or is that the other way around? Yeah, yeah, it was Ivana and then Marla Maples. Okay. Donald Trump was married to, to, you know, Ivana Trump. And then he cheated on her with this girl named Marla Maples. And then him and Marla Maples got married. And I think him and Marla Maples are like on the outs now. I don't know. I barely even know who he is, let alone who he's married to. Like, I don't care. He's the golden name, the gold plated name. Uh Uh-huh. That's what he is. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, he's sleazeball from New Jersey. (laughs) Anyway. Sleazeball. Um, what were you talking about? I was trying to talk about how the parents were going. Oh, Marla. And yeah. So he brings some other chick and like the mom was really looking forward to hanging out with Marla. So that sucks. And on the way there, you can tell this is not going to be a great fit for them because Mm -hmm. um, she's like, oh, I know I have a couple doobies in my purse. (laughs) Yeah, it was very funny. (laughs) Doobies. She's got some doobie doobie doos. <laughs> um, they do something in this episode, which is stupid, and and it's it's stupid because they don't follow through with it at any in any way, what in any mean? significant way. Do you remember when they did the episode with Crackhead, where instead of Angela's personal monologue, it was mostly Crackhead's yeah. personal monologue? They try to do the same thing with Danielle, oh yeah, the little sister. But they go, like, so halfway with it. Yeah. We get some of her inner monologue and everything, and then she, like, goes away, and then we hang upstairs with the mom and her friend as she's packing stuff away, which is fine, because that happens sometimes uh, with Angela, too, although not as often when it's her monologue. But it's just, like, it's such a half-assed thing. They they kind of do it, but they don't fully commit to the bit of, yeah. of having it be a Danielle-centric show. Oh, totally. If they if they had done this through her point of view for most of, most of it, it might have been more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, she definitely gets the short end of the stick there. Mm-hmm. 
So the parents are leaving Angela in charge of her little sister and allowing Ricky to stay for the weekend. Yeah, which is nice. Yeah. So, you know, they're planning on, you know, a nice, wholesome, you know, hanging out weekend. I'm sure the gay teacher and his lover, you know, want to have a, uh, you know, a weekend to themselves at their, their house. And it's kind of cute, like, Angela and Ricky are putting makeup so on. Can fuck. Uh, why do you got to be so crass? <laughs> Angela and Ricky are putting makeup on. You're so on. homophobic. You try not to be. I am not. You so are. I am not homophobic. You, so I'm just, when I said that, and you pictured, you know, the, the beautiful, tender lovemaking between those two men. Uh-huh. It made you sick a little bit. I didn't picture it. No. Okay. And I just don't like it when you're like, fuck. I'm going to fuck. All right. Sorry. It's almost as bad as like the word cunt. Oh my God. (laughs) That is the overstatement of a lifetime. It is not that actually. No. I mean, like it's bad. Do you ever see white men can't jump? Yes. See, Rosie Perez doesn't like uh, Woody Harrelson keeps saying screw. Uh-huh. Hey, let's screw or want to screw or whatever. Right. And she's like, I don't like that. Either like, uh, you know, make love or fuck. <laughs> and she says it like that, that too. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> those are such extreme opposites. <laughs> she says she's like, make love or fuck. <laughs> they got a mixed bag going in the bedroom. <laughs> right. So now I've lost my train of thought completely. You were talking about the uh, the two- makeup. They're putting on makeup. Who is putting on makeup? You keep interrupting me. Angela and Ricky were putting on makeup. And then the little sister was like hanging out. And that's like, I think the end of her internal monologue is when she's like, oh, this is so cool. Hanging out with my big sister and her cool friend. And she does say something about uh, crackhead later. Oh, yeah. And her inner monologue. Yeah. So, you know, that was kind of cute, like the scene, but. Then, you know, Rayanne calls. <laughs> and she's like talking to Ricky and stuff. And Ricky's like, I got to go. Right. They're not fully mi- like her and, and Angela aren't fully cool, obviously. Right. And, you know, she knows that Ricky's there. So whatever. Then she shows up mm-hmm. and says, and I think it's the morning when she shows up. Yeah. She shows up Saturday first morning. thing in the morning. Yeah. And she says that she's there because Ricky owes her $6.50. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. And then when uh, Angela's like, he's upstairs, she gets up there and he's like, uh, I paid you that like a long time ago. So, like two years ago, I yeah. think. So, like, yeah. so, I mean, it was all bullcrap. The whole mm-hmm. the whole thing is just a ruse to get over there. Yeah. And um, then she finds, oh, yeah. So going back real quick to the parents thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the mom was talking to her friend and packing her bags and her friend had brought over a negligee right. that she like forced her to bring with her and some handcuffs. By the way, is that a sexy negligee? Like to me, it just, and I don't know if it's cause it's TV or if when people get older, this is what they think is sexy. But to me, it just looks like a, like a regular nightgown. You know what I mean? Really? I mean, it looked, it was a little lacier and stuff, but it wasn't like, maybe it's just because she, you know. It's shiny and satin. It's short and low cut. 
Mm. I think it's probably then just because she's got nothing going on. Yeah, I don't know. As far as her body goes. I mean, no her offense, husband. Peter Pan. Ugh, don't be mean. I'm sorry. Her husband definitely dug it. Yeah. So anyways. But he married uh, her, you know. <laughs> yes, he did. He married Peter Pan when she had longer hair. That's so she true. didn't look she, like Peter Pan. She looked better with longer hair. But her friend gave her um, handcuffs. Yeah. And she's like, I, I don't I don't want these. What would I even do with them kind of thing? <laughs> you know? And uh, I know. she leaves them on the bed. Mm-hmm. So the kids find them. Rayanne and Ricky find them. Mm-hmm. And Rayanne's being goofy. And she... And she... Um, <laughs> Stuff. Uh, she um handcuffs herself to the bed frame right so you lost your concentration i did would you stop messing with me okay <laughs> um so then all of a sudden ricky's like uh where's the key now i thought to myself that like it's a good place to think <laughs> that perhaps yeah, self um perhaps she like hid the key because she wanted an excuse to stay yeah, I, that didn't occur to me, but yeah, yeah, I can see that. But it turns out the parents really do have the key with them. <laughs> right, they're away, and they've got the key. So she is totally trapped. Mm-hmm. So Angela calls... Good idea for a story, by the way. It is. Somebody trapped in a bed. Yeah. Cha- like, you know, handcuffed to a bed. Sounds like a really unpleasant story, though. Yeah, like a scary story. And there's something scary outside. Ooh. You can't get away. That sounds awful. Yeah, maybe I'll write it one day. You should. So, first she calls Sharon. Mm-hmm. Who? who who's calling Sharon? What are you talking about? Angela. Angela didn't call Sharon. What are you, what are you, why? How did Sharon end up there? Because the mom says to Camille, hey... I left those handcuffs that you were going to give me on the bed. So can you go over to the house and pick them up? Because I don't want the kids to find them. Oh, yeah. So she comes up with her daughter, Sharon, and tries to get upstairs. And Angela's like, uh, let me talk to you real quick first, though. <laughs> and like she tries to, you know, she tries to like, she's like, what do you want to talk about? And she goes, uh, justice. <laughs> and then she talks about how she can't return a top or something like that. Yeah. So when the mom finally gets in the bedroom, um, they're like acting like Rayanne is super sick. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so she doesn't search for the handcuffs. She just lets it be, I guess. Well, what is she going to do? Like there's every <laughs> every kid is in there. Right. So then Sharon stays. Yeah, because Sharon figures out what's going on. Okay. Sharon sees the handcuffs. So, Sharon's not much help figuring out how to get out of the situation, though. No, ma'am. And um, they end up calling over Brian. Yep. He doesn't have the best ideas, either. No. No, like, everyone thinks he's so smart, but he's really not. And that's the... Danielle's like, uh, oh, Brian's coming over. Brian's so brilliant. And like, she's, <laughs> she's so clearly got a crush on oh, him. Oh, yeah. And then he walks in, and in her inner monologue, he uh, swipes her arm. And she's right. like, oh, my God, he passed out. Or he, he, he passed out on top of no, me. No, <laughs> he, he brushed it against my shoulder. I'm going to swoon. Right. Yeah. So it was kind of cute. But 
He's like, oh, you know, every dad has uh, wire cutters. Just get, or is it even wire cutters? Was that what he said? Yeah, something like that. Wire cutters or bolt cutters or something. Yeah. I don't know. He's like, I mean, not mine, but normal dads. And they're all like, uh, yeah, my dad does not have that. So. And he's like, well, we can get him from the hardware store on Monday. <laughs> right. And then, What hardware store is not open on Sunday, by the way? Well, I mean, I guess it depends on what city you live in. I mean, I some, guess. Some Aren't they by like Philadelphia towns. or something? Yeah, smaller towns for sure stuff closes on Sunday. Some things are closed on Sunday here still. We live like, in a, yeah, some stuff's closed on Sunday, but but the hardware, like Ace and stuff like that, they're open. Yeah. Because most people are, they're going there on the weekend when they're not at work. That's true. To get the stuff that they need for, you know, like to do on the week, like, you know, the fix up stuff they're doing the week, on the weekends. That's a very good point. It's not 1965, crackhead. <laughs> right. So then um, I'm trying to think what else happens. Like, she ends up having to actually stay the night again. Well, so crackhead says, hey, let's find a handcuffs oh, yeah. by the same manufacturer. They might have the same key. And uh, what's her name? Sharon. Sharon. Is like where there's a place called the Pleasure Center. Yeah. And they might have handcuffs there. And then everybody's looking at her like, how do you know about the Pleasure Center? Mm, right. Which we all know how she knows. And Brian says, I don't know where the Pleasure Center is. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, we all know that, Brian. We so, all know you don't know where it is. So her and Brian go together to the Pleasure Center. Mm-hmm. And she runs into Kyle. Who finds her Pleasure Center. Yes. So he has followed her back to the house and they're like making out Mm -hmm. on the porch, but she doesn't let him in. Yeah. He's like, let me just come in inside you. And then also the house. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Um, so then it turns out that the key is too big for the handcuffs Mm -hmm. and he does get let into the house with his buddy. Right. To use the bathroom. Right. And his buddy walks in and sees no it's him oh it's him okay walks in and sees brian leaning over rayanne in the bed Mm -hmm. and everybody sitting there watching (laughs) well at first he just he looks in and sees him on top of her and he's got this big smile on his face like oh i know what's going on here right and then he turns and he sees ricky and angela and danielle (laughs) the little kid just sitting there (laughs) watching him and the look on his face is priceless (laughs) he closes the door and Rand's complaining to Brian that the key is too large to fit into the hole. Yeah. Um, and his buddy comes out of the bathroom and he's like, Brian Krakow has Rand Graff chained to a bed in there. <laughs> and they're just watching him. <laughs> and then they listen at the door and Rand goes, no, Brian, it's too big. It, it won't, won't fit. fit. <laughs> and then they just start laughing. That is hilarious. So Krakow is going to have a reputation now. Right. So, um, next morning, right? No, because Danielle, okay. She's stuck there overnight. Angela has to help her go to the bathroom. (laughs) Yep. So, yeah. So, she has to get her, like, a chamber pot. Mm -hmm. And Rayanne tries to get Danielle to get her liquor. Right. But instead, she gives her Cracker Jacks. Mm -hmm. And they end up snuggling in the bed. It's so cute. It's very cute, yeah. And now Brian decides they have to take apart the headboard. Yeah. And, you know, he's 
he's so dumb when it comes to like you know building stuff it's Why? it's weird well because he's like they're like you know angela goes i don't uh, i don't know about taking apart my parents bed and he's like no that's the beauty of it we only have to take apart the headboard and he's got a screwdriver in his hand and he unscrews the last screw and the entire bed falls falls down now i don't know how like what did he do <laughs> right. he must have unscrewed so many other things and so many other <laughs> joists for the the thing to come down when they finally do get the top of the headboard off it's like the easiest thing in the world yeah which is all they had to do so she does eventually get free because he gets the top of the headboard uh, off and that's when the parents come home and you know they they start talking to the kids they you know uh rayanne kind of um conceals that she's got her handcuff on on her wrist um they turn on the TV, so it looks like when the parents walk in, that just every fucking kid in the neighborhood <laughs> right? is just sitting on their bed watching a nature documentary or something. <laughs> and I think my mom would freak out. Yeah. Angela's mom puts the key on the counter. Uh, Danielle picks it up, uh, you know, motions to Angela to get, grab it. So she grabs it. They pass it back to Rayanne and then... Um, and then Rayanne, uh, you know, uncuffs her herself, puts it in the the box and excuses us. You know, I got to go and everything. And everyone's like, you know, oh, yeah, we're going to get out of your room for you. Get out of your hair. And the parents, you know, like they find the, the handcuffs and uh, Graham's like, oh, you know, she didn't. Camille didn't take them. And, and then he like, you know, chains her up. Yeah. And she's like, hey, where's the key? <laughs> and then. Angela stops, ran at the door and says, hey, give me the key. Like she knows that she has stolen the key for some reason. Yeah. Why did she want the key? She doesn't have the handcuffs. It makes no sense. I don't know. But she's like, you knew I couldn't resist or whatever. And she she gave the key back and then left. And that's kind of the end of the kid's story. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that was like not much to it. (coughs) But for the adults, um, Mm -hmm. they go away to this like bed and breakfast yeah it's like a ski resort i think yeah maybe and it could it be the poconos because they are in pennsylvania right so i think that's where the poconos are okay i have no idea okay (laughs) anyways so they get there and find out that there's no liquor (laughs) yeah and this is like a crisis to um the brother and his lady friend yeah, she's like the mom's like, what are the, what are the names saying? Graham and Patty. Yeah, Patty's like, you know, we're adults. Do we need alcohol to have fun? And they're like, yeah, <laughs> all three of them too. Yeah, well, Graham does. I don't. Does Graham say it? I yeah. think so. Oh, all right. So maybe not. I don't know. But then they like they go out searching for liquor, and and Patty decides to stay behind. Yeah, why did she decide to stay behind? It's so weird. Because she's a goody two shoes. She doesn't doesn't want to go look for liquor. Yeah. So she's just going to wait there and she is driving the the owner like crazy because she's hanging out in the lobby instead of in her room. What's her name again? What's his name again? Warren? Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, she's like freaking making origami uh, stuff out of like candy wrappers Mm. and just incessantly chatting at him. Poor guy. And like... She had made them a spelunking reservation. 
What is spelunking? It's cave exploring. Oh, okay. That sounds fun. I'm sorry they missed that. Um, she made them this reservation that they missed because everybody's out looking for liquor. Mm-hmm. Like, they could have stayed at home and got drunk. Yeah. They couldn't spelunk at home. Correct. Well, I mean, you know, sexually, sure, but <laughs> but not uh, the actual spelunking. Right. So they finally come back, and she's basically just been hanging out at this place all day by herself. Mm-hmm. So she's pretty upset. I would be, too. Oh, I, yeah. I totally get her. They did find alcohol, though. Yeah, some root beer flavored bourbon. I, I was it root beer flavored. It was something, yeah. Doctor, like Doctor Moreland's <laughs> something flavored bourbon or brandy. Brandy. Yeah, it was yeah. like. Yeah, I can't remember. It sounded I not great. I don't think it was root beer, but I think it was like maybe cherry flavored brandy. No, or? I'm pretty sure it was root beer. Okay, well that does root beer. Wait, fruit beer flavored <laughs> root beer flavored brandy sounds awful. Yeah. So and they they have a pint and they're at dinner. Buy me a pint. <laughs> That's a Welsh person saying buy me a pint. Buy me a pint. Okay. <laughs> at dinner they're passing this around mm-hmm. and Patty doesn't want any. Right. And she says, because she doesn't want to break the rules. Don't buy me a pet. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to break the rules because we're adults or whatever. And like the one girl's like, oh, my God, she's so ma- she's too mature for us. And um, then Patty's like, don't say that. It makes it sound like you're saying I'm, you know, stuck up. And no one disagrees. Right. Everyone just kind of looks at each other. Looks and, down. Yeah. Earlier, by the way, the the young the young girl that's uh, what's the brother was dating mm-hmm. said, you know, oh my gosh, I'm so envious of you because you know, like there are so many paths I could go down in my life, and I don't know what I'm going to do and and everything. But you've made all your decisions, <laughs> and your whole life is settled now. Like you you know exactly who you are and where you're going to be going and. And all that stuff and everything is settled for you and it must be so comforting and stuff. So I'm sure she's feeling, you know, old. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. So she decides to drink. And she doesn't drink much, so she gets drunk. Oh, yes. And, you know, at first I'm like, how are they all going to get drunk from a pint? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Four adults and one pint. Yeah, it's not enough. But... There's more than one pint. A pint might get you buzzed. <laughs> might. So, yeah. So, she gets so fishnookered. And they have to, like, hide it, right? Because they're not supposed to have alcohol at this place. Mm-hmm. But they're doing a piss poor job of hiding it. Yeah. And Well, at one point, Patty t- starts taking her shirt off. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. Um, yeah, because she spills it on herself. Mm-hmm. So, and they just keep, like, laughing, and they're just being so rowdy and stuff. And so, the the owner dude is, like, you know, hanging out by their table and stuff. And, and they're like, okay, you know, Graham's like, okay, we're going to, you know, head up to our rooms now and stuff. And mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, how, how lovely for our other patrons. <laughs> Everyone that's there looks like they're super old, too. Yeah. So, and then Patty wants ice cream. Mm-hmm. She wants an ice cream sundae. And he's like, fine, you know, I'll get you an ice cream sundae or whatever. And that's when she spills it and she starts to take her shirt off. 
and he's like, okay, that's it, you know. And he starts acting like a dad, which is so weird. Yeah. Because he's like, up to your room, you know, like, go to your room. She's like, we're adults, you know, and, and he goes, yeah, that's an opinion. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um, she's like, what about my ice cream? He goes, nobody's getting any ice cream. <laughs> it's so, like, he's such, like, a dad. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And the, the guys literally have to pick her up and carry her mm-hmm. out of there and up to the room. Yeah. Yeah, and then, and then the the girl friend, she's like, I admire her so much. <laughs> and then the next morning, of course, Patty feels like shit, mm-hmm. and Graham's like, "So we've been asked to leave." <laughs> so like that was their entire trip was driving to this bed and breakfast, mm-hmm. leaving her alone while they find liquor, mm-hmm. and getting drunk. Yeah, That's e- it. Eating dinner and getting drunk. They could have done that at home, and then getting kicked out. Yeah. So then we find out that the girl and the brother are not going to continue seeing each other. Yeah, because he was talking to Marla on the phone. So he's probably going to get back together with Marla, one would assume. You know, it's funny, too, because we forgot to mention at the very beginning, Mm -hmm. Graham was late getting there. Mm -hmm. And the reason he was late getting there is because he was with Hallie Hallie. Lowenthal. Yeah, Heidi Heidi (laughs) Lewinstein. It's so weird that she says her full name so many times. Oh, I know. And so does he. It's, it's so weird because he does. Like, every time he says her name, it's ha- Hallie Lowenthal. Lowenthal. Yeah. Um, like, do you know that many Hallies? Right. So, yeah, he's like, oh, I had to. Uh, he's like, car trouble. And she's like, oh, no, the 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 wagon. And he's like, no, it was Hallie Lowenthal's <laughs> car. And he's like, you know, so I, I had to look under the hood. And she goes, so you looked under her hood. Under Hallie Lowenthal's hood? You're right. So it's very Freudian. Yeah. And, um, you know, so she's a little peeved about that, about them spending time together and everything. And then, so when they leave, you know, they're at the gas station. He's, he's getting gas. And, you know, she's, like, upset and everything about how she acted and she's like, you know, hey, I'm sorry that I got drunk and I embarrassed everybody, but it was shitty of you to leave me alone while you went out to get alcohol. And he's like, I didn't know it was going to take that long. And she's like, well, I'm just sitting there, you know, trying to make small talk with this asshole that owns this bed and breakfast <laughs> and, you know, counting the hours and you're looking under her hood. You know, yeah. and she's like all pissed. And he's like, what? What are we talking about? And then that's when the other two come out and she's got to stop talking. And we don't get a, a resolution to that. No, either. it's like it's like he just ignores that it happened. They really need to have a conversation about this. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's kind of how that episode ends. Yeah, they come home and then then the two storylines meet and then that's it. Yep. The kids clean up the mess. The parents arrive. Nobody knows anything happened. Yep. So. I don't know. Like I said, it wasn't the best episode. It's not a bad episode. It was kind of funny watching uh, Patty be drunk. but Yeah. It had its moments, but it's not, like we said, if the kid's storyline is not the driver of the show, then it's it's not that good of an episode. Yeah. And then for the movie this week? Yeah. I really feel like this might be my most favorite movie ever. You know what I liked about this? Hmm. Um, I was able to catch up on sleep <gasps> in the theater. How could you say that? Because it's so fucking boring. It is not boring. All right. 
We saw Legends of the Fall. Yeah, Legends of the... <laughs> oh, you asshole. <laughs> how, I mean, like, I don't understand, like, how you could not love this movie. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay, we got Brad Pitt. Brad's Pitt. And Julia Ormond? Yes, Julia Ormond. You got it. And who's the other dude? Aiden Quinn. And Anthony Hopkins. That's the dad. So, I mean, it's a very good cast. You don't really, you really don't like Henry Thomas, too. I guess not. Henry Thomas, too. Well, he's only in the beginning. Yeah, he was in It. Et. You ever seen that? It's a good movie. In what? It. E.T. or I.T.? E.T., that's how you spell et. Okay. Not it, et. Okay, who was he in E.T.? He was the boy, the little boy. Aww. He was the star of, star of et. Oh, cool. Would you stop saying et? <laughs> that's how you pronounce that, those, that word. Okay. Extraterrestrial. Okay. So, this movie... I love your comic sensibilities. <laughs> Anytime I go on a riff, it's like... Like when when people do improv, it's 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 yes and you always you don't say you never say no you always say yes and you know then you add your own embellishment to it right uh-huh. whenever I'm doing a bit you're like and moving on <laughs> and let's not have any fun let's keep just, just keep going <laughs> you're so mean I'm just saying you're acting like I am not a fun do. person I am a super fun person uh huh that's why you love me and why you want to be with me yep. Because I'm fun. That's why I love you. Uh-huh. Boobs. Anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, this is a story about a family. <laughs> a man named Brady. You know what? You summarize the movie. Okay. I'll summarize what I saw. Um, three brothers that really love each other and the woman that came between them. <laughs> That's this movie. The movie summarize the movie for us, Carol. The movie takes place in the late 1800s, early 1900s, mm-hmm. and it's about um, the Anthony Hopkins character. He's the dad. Um, he was a colonel in the war when they were like, you know, moving all the Indians, like the Trail of Tears and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. And he decides that he's just fed up and had enough and doesn't want to be part of that anymore. So he goes off and builds a beautiful ranch in Montana. Yes, it's gorgeous. And has a wife and three kids, three sons. Yeah, my three sons. And he's Fred McMurray. (laughs) Um, His wife is Christina Pickles. Yeah, she's not in it very much. No, but she was a nurse in. God damn it, I can't. This doesn't count as singing. Okay. Do, 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 do. Do 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 Washington and William Daniels. That does count as singing. Um, so she, the mom, like leaves them when they're little. Yeah, leaves them there with the dad because she doesn't want to live in the wilderness. Yeah, she wants to live in the city in the city. She says it's too the winters are too cruel for her or whatever. It's It's too wild. It's weird because that's why I asked where they were, and then we found out they were in Montana. 
Because, like, I'm thinking, where is she going? Like, during, during this time period, it's not like now where there are some old people that have homes in Florida. So, like, sometimes they'll live here and then sometimes they'll move down to Florida during the, the winter months. It wasn't like that in, you know, 1910. It's not right. like she could just be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, take this this wagon train or whatever down to New Mexico for the for the winter and I'll be back in the spring. Like, first of all, that's months of a journey back then. Right. And fraught with danger. Well, no, she's just taking the train to Helena. And I don't think New Mexico was a state. I don't I don't remember now. Maybe it was trying to remember when New Mexico and Arizona became states. Yeah, I'm not sure, but she's taking a train, and is she supposed to only be gone for the winter? But she right. never comes back. Yeah, she's like, I'm out! And, like, Tristan is so hurt by that, like, he just never talks about her or acknowledges her. Tristan is Brad Pitt. Yeah. He's the middle brother. Mm-hmm. The oldest brother is Alfred, and the youngest brother is Samuel. Samuel. So... Like, Tristan's kind of, like, wild, and they have this Indian guy, One Stab, staying with them. He, like, works with the dad, Mm -hmm. for the dad. I don't know. He's a good dude. Yeah. And they also have a family where it's an Indian woman Mm -hmm. with a white man. Right. And they have a daughter together, which I think back then would have been, like, a really bad thing. You know, well, I mean, it was not looked like favorably right. necessarily, and like they, like he mentions or whatever, like you know, she's a half breed or whatever, and you know, Anthony Hopkins showing like what a cool progressive person he is for this time. He's like not in this house. She's yeah, fine. he's amazing. So, um, Tristan is super close with one stab, and. Yeah. Like, he kind of, I don't know, he's kind of, like, taking him under his wing, and he's, mm-hmm. like, teaching him Indian ways. I think he, like, kind of learns the Indian language and everything from him. Yeah. And somehow, I don't under, I don't understand, they don't explain it, he gets in his head that he needs to try to kill a bear. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> he just goes off into the woods and, like, taps a sleeping bear on the shoulder. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, he really does. He just kind of goes up, and he's like, hey, what's up? Right. The bear gets up and is angry. Yeah, obviously. It woke him it woke him up. Mm-hmm. And the bear swipes at him, and he's hiding behind a tree, and when the bear goes to get him again, he stabs it with his knife and, like, cuts off one of its fingers. Yeah. And the bear's pissed at that point, and then just limps off, you know, because it's like, the bear's like, oh, well, this fucking thing can hurt me. Right. So I'm I'm going to retreat at this point. I feel really bad for this bear. He was just sleeping. <laughs> I, I know. Minding his own business <laughs> and some asshole gets it into his head that he's got to fuck with a bear and then he gets part of his paw cut off. He's like, what the fuck? But, um, you know, one stab and the dad find him out in the woods there and, and uh, one stab's like all excited and like proud of him Mm -hmm. for getting this bear's finger yeah very weird um and then as they're getting older like alfred and tristan are still at home but samuel is he off at college like how does he some kind of schooling yeah yeah, he met her he meets Susanna at a harvard t okay 
So he he's in love with oh, her. Holy shit, Hart, really? Yeah. So okay, so they were a far away in Boston. I thought she said Harvard. Well, I mean, no, I mean they have trains. So at this point in the history of the country, because at this point we're we're like it's around probably it's probably around nineteen thirteen, maybe you know nineteen thirteen, nineteen fourteen in that range. Right. So you know trains have been uh, fairly well established at this point. So travel across the country is now possible. I would I don't know exactly how it worked back then. But to get to Montana from to get from Montana to Boston, my guess is there's probably a train direct to St. Louis because the reason the Gateway Arch is there in St. Louis is because that was really like the big outpost that separated, you know, what the West was like the Wild West okay. from the more civilized like East. Okay. So I'm guessing, you know, so that was a big hub of where trains came and, and stuff like that. So if there wasn't one directly to Boston, which I'm guessing there wouldn't be. I'm guessing you take a train into, uh, if you can afford it, you take a train into St. Louis, and then you take the train from St. Louis. Train from St. Louis probably did go to Boston with with you know several stops uh, along the way, but it would be a long be a long train ride. It'd take a while. Yeah. Now pretending that you know I might have this wrong, are there any other like Ivy League schools near to them? Oh, at the time. Because, I mean, technically, the California schools like Stanford, although Stanford's not actually an Ivy League school, all the all the actual Ivy League schools mm-hmm. are in the, the West, or, I mean, in the East. But um, as far as, like, prestigious schools, the California ones would be closer, but but not not during this time period. I don't, I okay. don't, I don't think so. So, I mean, maybe I did have it right then. So they, anyway, they meet at a T. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm guessing, sure. I'm guessing you're right. That, yeah. you know, he was away at college Yeah, and they get engaged and he's bringing her home to meet his dad and his brothers. Mm-hmm. And you can tell now there are a lot of, um, looks in this movie. That is one thing that I will say. There's People do look at each other in this movie. Yes, that's of, true. No, but you know what I mean? Like those long, meaningful looks. There's just so many of them. Yeah, I haven't had a long, meaningful look from you in a while. So. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I look at you all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of tell that, like, Alfred is taken with her as soon as, you know, she gets off the, off the train. And... Yeah. Then, you know, they're saying that Tristan will be coming, whatever. On the <laughs> yeah. Yes, he will. <laughs> Shut up. Um, and you see him, like, riding up to them as they're on their way back to the ranch. And he's mm-hmm. got another horse with him with a deer over it. So I think that was, like, him kind of greeting them by getting dinner. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and when he sees her, he, like, is, like, speechless, I guess. Like, he's just staring at her. He doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Alfred squirts him with water. Yeah. Like, it's bad. Like, all of them are just, like, fawning over her all the time. Even the dad, not in, like, a sexy way, but just they're all like, oh, a woman, you know. Yeah. Um, it's weird because Julia Ormond is a, uh, you know, an attractive woman. Yeah. But, I mean, they really, like, it, it's, I don't know that they could have gotten somebody that it would be believable. With, you know, the amount of fawning they do over this woman. But I'm guessing it's because, like you said, you know, put it put it back in like 1914. And it's like you're 
in the middle of Montana where it's not a big female population. Right. And, you know, she's definitely, she would have been a freaking stunning knockout in those days, in that day oh, and yeah. age. A day and age where it was very difficult for women to take, like, proper care of themselves. So, yeah. So, I mean, she's nice looking. She's intelligent. She's kind. Like, she's got a lot going for her. Mm-hmm. And, um, they, like I said, though, I mean, you could just tell all of them are just, like, in love with her, pretty much. <laughs> And Samuel goes to his big brother, Tristan, Mm -hmm. to ask about sex. Oh, yeah. And says that, you know, they haven't done it yet. They're both virgins. And and, uh, he's like, I'm planning to be with her. Mm-hmm. And, um, before marriage, like she, she wants, she wants to have sex before they get married, mm-hmm. which is weird, especially for that time. And Tristan's like, well, I recommend fucking right. just kind of funny, um, you know, be with her or whatever. So th- this is right before or right as world war one is starting. Yeah. It's around that time. Yes. And the Samuel guns of August, as they call it. Samuel decides that he wants to go to Canada to enlist in the army. Yeah, there's some political talk, uh, you know, around this. Like, so this doesn't just like, it's not just like bang, bang, bang. There's there's a lot of scenes of establishing character and and things like that. And, um, you know, they, they sprinkle it in their uh, discussions about uh, politics. Samuel uh, seems especially vexed at the, you know, what's going on with the, the plight of, of people uh, right. in uh, in this war. And so he decides that he wants to enlist, and then Alfred wants to, too. Yeah. And their dad is, like, livid and does not want them to go. Like, he basically is like, you know, I brought you guys out here to keep you away from that stuff, mm-hmm. and they're going to go anyway. Yeah, because he's he's a pacifist. He doesn't like... War, he doesn't like, uh, he's, you know, strongly distrustful of the government itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he doesn't want them to go. And Tristan decides to go, too, to keep an eye <coughs> on Samuel, uh, basically. Well, and he says to Julia Ormond, because she's like, you know, he's so determined to go. Yeah. And he's like, you know, change his mind. Basically. Well, no, she says he won't change his mind. He said change it for him. Yeah, exactly. I wonder, like, I wonder if she tried as hard as she could. Like, I bet if she had said, I won't marry you if you go, maybe mm-hmm. he wouldn't have gone. But then would he always resent her? Oh, that's true. I, I think what Tristan's getting at, though, is I think he was like, hey, go have sex with him <laughs> and make him not want to leave. Wow. You think? I think so, yeah. So then she's like crying about it, talking mm-hmm. to Tristan, and he's comforting her, and then they have one of those looks. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to kiss. It does. But then Alfred walks in the room, yeah. and they didn't kiss, but it looks like they probably did from his angle. Right. And they don't talk about it at all. Nobody says, oh, no, nothing was happening or anything. Like, they don't mm-hmm. even try to, like, downplay it. They just act like it didn't happen. Right. It's kind of weird. And the boys go off to war. So Samuel is engaged to her. Her and Tristan almost kissed, had a moment. Mm-hmm. And Alfred knows. 
Yeah. So that's the situation here. And Tristan is only going, you can tell, to keep an eye on his brothers, specifically Samuel. Yeah. And the the dad says to him, you know, take care of Samuel. She says, or he says to Susanna, I'll, I'll take care of him. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like everybody's just expecting him to do that. And the entire time they're there, they're just... Like, it's one brother on one side, one brother on the other side. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, they're flanking him and like, hey, you know, you can't, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's really, really bad. And in this one battle, Alfred gets injured. Mm-hmm. Samuel gets grazed with a bullet. Yep. And Tristan just drags him down into a trench mm-hmm. to keep him safe. And then while Alfred is in the tent, you know, with his wound... And Tristan's visiting him. Somebody comes up and says, "Hey, so and so got injured on the front. It's the front lines." Mm, yeah, basically. Well, yeah, basically. And Samuel offered to go take his place. So Tristan goes to run after. Yeah, him. and Alfred yells at him. I told you to stay with him. Like it's his fault. Yeah. Like Samuel has like it's not a death wish. He's just very naive. And like in one of the letters he wrote to Su- Susanna, he's like, "I I want personal glory. Is that wrong?" Yeah, he's like. He wants to distinguish himself in this war. Like, he he admits that the war is not what he thought it would be, and that's, you know, and it's such a stupid young person way to think, you know, to be like, oh, you know, glorious war and fighting for a cause. Like, like it's going to be this this high-minded, idealized thing, and it's dirty and, and, you know, disgusting and, and, you know, blood-filled, and, yeah, it's horrible. Um, and he's like starts to realize that, but yeah, he's like, but I still want to like distinguish myself, but I'm afraid, you know, with the way they kind of dote on me that I'll never get the opportunity to do right. that. So Tristan is riding out to, you know, find him mm-hmm. and he's off by himself. He gets. Yeah. Cause the captain or whatever got his fucking uh, throat uh, shot. Right. And like. I don't know. They throw like mustard gas. Yeah, it's like it's. I think it's mustard gas, which is a, a like a neurotoxin. And they have barbed wire all over the place. Mm-hmm. That was common in World War One. Why? I mean, I guess for the reason exactly what it did, right? To trap them when they're vulnerable. Part of part. That's part of it. Yeah, part of it's like it was just part of no man's land too, because it. it so they would put barbed wire around the trenches. It would went during a charge. It would prevent uh, you know the enemy lines from being able to. To easily get over that, okay. over it, you know. So he ends up getting entangled in some barbed wire because he can't see. Yeah, well, the mustard gas has like temporarily blinded him, um, you know, and he's he's running around, you know, he's obviously discombobulated because of this gas, gas, and he gets entangled in the barbed wire. One of the things I think is so weird about this scene is the two. I believe they're they're Turkish. Uh, the two. Um, soldiers or i guess they might be german uh the two soldiers they they see him and they see him tangled up in the barbed wire and they could just shoot him mm-hmm. but instead they take the time just to like sit down kneel down start putting together this machine gun right. they're basically like building this machine gun in front of him because he can't see before they start to shoot him it's so weird it is weird and the scene, Tristan's running after him, and he kills several people mm-hmm. on the way to find him. Yeah. And takes one of their gas masks. Right. So he gets there just in time to see these dudes kill his brother. Yep. 
and he runs over to him and he's I mean after of course Tristan kills these guys. Yeah, he he shoot like he's he screams no. Right. They kind of turn towards him. He's got a handgun and he basically just you know, murders both of them as he's running towards his brother. But they still manage to start the machine gun going first, so... Oh, yeah. He's dead. I mean, he's not dead immediately, though. He gets to his brother. He's tangled in the barbed wire. He's spitting out blood. Mm -hmm. He can't see. It's just horrific. Right. And then Brad Pitt's like, you're doing great. You're doing great, buddy. We're going home. Right. And then, now, this is something that, you know, he's he's gotten from the Indian stuff that he's been taught. Mm -hmm. He... You can tell he's he's lifting him. He's trying to carry him. He realizes he can't take his body. Yeah, and during this time, there'd be there there are there are probably literally millions of soldiers just buried in you know unmarked graves all over right. France and Germany and Central Europe. So he cuts his heart out, mm-hmm. and as he's doing this, he's cursing God. Yeah. And this is something that he does when he hunts to free their spirits. So in a way, you know, he's freeing his spirit, but he's also doing this so he has something to bring home to Barry. Yep. Which he sends in a silver box. Yep. He sends it home with Alfred because Alfred's getting discharged from the military Mm. because of his injury. Right. He also gets discharged from the military for being nuts. Yeah, because he decides that, and it's weird because we we only see the tail end of it. But there's there's more of a story here. So like we see like two German soldiers and a machine gun, you know, in their trench and everything, uh, just kind of sitting there talking. He sneaks up behind them, cuts their throats, and then scalps them. Uh, and but like I told you, I'm I'm like there's you know, like potentially hundreds of miles of line right. that. You know, he'd have to break through the line somewhere. Right. So he crawled probably on his belly, uh, some, you know, to some weak point in the line and probably killed many, many people uh, along the way in order to get around and out and flank that that uh, that trench right. and, and get to those dudes. Well, I mean, you saw the number of scalps he had because he, he took oh, yeah. scalps when he killed. Yeah. He goes back into camp wearing a necklace of scalps yep. with blood on his face. And in his tent, mm-hmm. he has like hung up all kinds of bloody things. Mm-hmm. When his brother comes and he's just like holding a knife, like it was, it's bad. So he gets discharged for being insane. And instead of going home, he decides to go with his grandfather out onto the sea. Yeah. He wants some time to, so, yeah. to just, you know, like chill. And so Alfred is home and tells Susanna mm-hmm. that he has, no, not right away. I mean, it's been some time. Yeah. Uh, but he tells her that, you know, he wants to tell her this at Samuel's grave in respect for him that he's in love with her mm-hmm. and he wants to be with her. And she's like, oh, you know, no. <laughs> she, she's, you know, pretty, pretty clear that she's not interested. Yeah. And he's just like, you know, think about it. I can make you happy. We could have a life. Mm-hmm. And then Tristan comes home. And it's not clear how much time has passed between this conversation and when Tristan comes home. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was much. Do right. you? No, I don't think so either. And it's, 
It's a choice between Aiden Quinn and Brad Pitt, so... <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, Aiden Quinn looks, you know... Yeah. He's he's all right looking, yeah, but he's, he's not Brad Pitt. But I think there's a lot more personality there, too. I mean, they're very different people. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, she, um, she and Brad Pitt start their romance. Mm-hmm. And Aiden Quinn leaves, or... I'm sorry, uh, Alfred. Samuel Alfred. Alfred leaves and goes to Helena mm-hmm. to become a politician, which irritates his father to no end. Or not a politician, first a businessman. Yeah, first a businessman. Yeah. Then a politician. And while they're having their romance, you can see that, you know, um, Tristan's character has a lot of PTSD going on. Mm-hmm. Um, he finds a cow that's in some barbed wire Mm -hmm. and it's crying and hurt and stuff and he's trying to free it and he can't and he has you know you can tell it's reminding him of his brother and he has to shoot it and after that happens um him and Suzanne are in bed together and she touches him when he's asleep and he rolls over with a knife pointed at her oh yeah so that's pretty frightening for her I'm sure frightening for him too Mm mm-hmm and I think that's why I think that's why he decided to leave. Um, because he realized he's not right in the head. Uh-huh. So <clears throat> he leaves and she's asking as he's leaving, if we'd had a kid or if I was pregnant, would you have stayed? And he says no. Which I think that's kind of a dumb question because like if he's acting like a homicidal lunatic then would you really want him around again? No shit. Good point. <laughs> like, if he's leaving to keep her safe from him, mm-hmm. yeah, having a kid in the equation would not change that. And I think he just, he's, he he needs to get his shit worked out. Yeah. So he goes on a big adventure. Oh, yeah. He's, like, in Africa and... Papua New Guinea. Yeah. At some point he goes to Greece. He's, like... You know, like, we kind of see, it's like a montage scene of all this stuff. But, yeah, he goes all over the world on on the boat and meets all different kinds of people and does a bunch of different shit. Like, he, you know, he goes to Africa and he hunts all kinds of different game uh, zebras and and lions and stuff like that. And he sends back a bracelet that, you know, Susanna likes... She's always writing him letters, even though she doesn't have anywhere to send them. So that's kind of like the narration of this. And she's like, I'm assuming this is for me, but I don't know, because he didn't even send a letter, just the Mm -hmm. bracelet. Yep. And then he sends another letter about being a hunter and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one more saying to her, all we have is dead as I am dead, marry another. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. That's That's the entirety of the letter. Now... Oh, when he narrates that part, he's with some Thai hooker. Yeah. But before I I forgot to say this before he left, Mm. they had this little exchange where she tells him that she will wait for him as long as it takes. She'll wait for him forever. Mm -hmm. So he's telling her basically don't wait for me anymore. Right. And at that same time, Alfred comes to the house to try to get his father's blessing because he wants to run for Congress. Right. And him and his dad have this big falling out because he goes over to Susanna and is trying to comfort her because she just just read this letter that's obviously upsetting. Mm-hmm. 
And he's like, that's your brother's fiance. They're going to be married. Mm-hmm. So he actually curses him. He disowns him. He says, damn and blast you. Mm-hmm. And then says to her, damn you too. Yeah. I mean, she's just, she just got her heart broke. She didn't do anything. Right. Oh, I did not like that. I think he's mad at the strife that her presence caused. Yeah, maybe. As the Indian guy pointed out, it's not really her fault, but, you know, as water poured into a crack, when it freezes, will break a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, like she's... She broke their family. Yeah, and, you know, she didn't mean to. It's not the water's fault, as right. the Indian says, but it, that's what happens. And, you know, you said that you think that it's odd that she um, ends up with him, you know, agreeing to marry him. Yeah, we haven't got there yet, but yeah. But how, I mean, what else is she going to do at this point? She's She has no family. She's an orphan. Yeah. She's been living here for how long? Years now. Oh, yeah. At least so. I think now it's, I think I want to say now it's around probably 19, 1919, 1920, something like that. So, yeah, for at least like six or seven years, she's been living there. Tristan has essentially broken up with her. Yep. And Alfred shows up saying, hey, I still love you. Mm-hmm. And her would have been father-in-law says, damn you too. Right. Basically, I mean, I would assume I'm kind of kicked out at this point. She's not engaged to anybody and he's mad at her. Yeah. So what other option did she really have? I mean, I guess, yeah, she could have gone back to Boston, I suppose. But, but to what? She didn't have anybody there. That's true. During this time period, it's not like a woman could just be like, well, I'll just get a job. Right. You know, yeah. So I'm just saying like that at that moment, what, what happened there, I think is, is the reason that her life ended up the way it did. Yeah. When she finally had nothing, like when she had no other options, Aiden Quinn was good enough. (sighs) Poor Alfred. I guess. I mean, yeah. I mean, yes and no. I mean, I, he's kind of an asshole, but like not, like he doesn't he doesn't actually do or mean anyone any harm. Right. So yeah, it's really like it's not really his fault. So the next thing that we know is that Tristan comes home mm-hmm. and the dad um has had a stroke. Yep. Now when Tristan comes home it's kind of a cool scene. He's got like a ton of horses oh, with yeah. him. Like he obviously had some money. Um, he, he's got a nice suit on and everything when he gets home and dad walks out, he's got a chalkboard around his neck, yeah, like hanging sucks. from his neck and he can't really talk. He can't anymore. talk. He can barely walk. And it's really sad. Um, him and Tristan sit down together and, and he writes happy. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. I'm happy. So yeah, it was, it was pretty heart wrenching. And then he wants them to tell him that. Susanna married Alfred, so that's yeah. what happened. Because he really asks good, about really good acting. Oh too. yeah, excellent, excellent acting. Anthony Hopkins should get like an Oscar for this or something. Mm. Um, and you know Tristan asks about Susanna, and when they tell him that, you know, he looks pained. Yeah, he looks disappointed, but I don't know why he would think anything else would have happened. Yeah, I and mean, what is he? What is he like? He wrote her a letter saying, you know. You know, don't wait for me, basically. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's off cheating with, you know, Ty hookers and shit. <laughs> right. So that we can see Brad Pitt's butt. 
<laughs> well, I mean, we saw quite a quite a bit of sex with him and uh, Julia sure. Armand earlier. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So he um, he says as it should be or whatever. Yeah. And then he sees Isabel too, who actually said in the very beginning of the movie mm-hmm. when she was thirteen, she said she was going to marry Tristan someday. Right. She. This is the the half breed or whatever. You mm-hmm. know, the daughter of the Indian woman and the white, white man. Dude, yeah. And she's all grown up now, and she's pretty. <laughs> yeah. So they start they start something, mm-hmm. and they actually end up getting married and. Having babies. Yeah, two kids. And he gets into bootlegging. Yeah, because so when he comes back from his long sojourn, uh, the, you know, the white dude that that is with his dad, the one that's like works with him and stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, um, you know, ever since World War One ended, he doesn't say World War One. Right. Because it wouldn't have been at that point. But I think he says like the war or whatever. He's like, ever since the war ended, like, cattle prices just keep going down and down. Um, and, you know, he lost everything. And so Tristan says, well, we can make it back in, in you know, horses or whatever. Right. Like, we need to. And um, Anthony Hopkins, he, the colonel, he goes, um, you know, your brother voted for the Volstead Act. Which, which is the, the, the act that became the law... That prohibition was based on the prohibition of alcohol. So he voted to outlaw alcohol. Yeah. Okay. So Tristan says, "Are you saying that we should be bootleggers then?" Because like you know, and he's and he's like uh, Anthony Hopkins, like yeah, fuck the government, you know. And he like <laughs> he puts his middle finger up and everything. He's like, yeah, fuck, oh man, I would never and stuff. And he's like, okay, you know, whatever. So so he does. Tristan starts bootlegging, and that's how they start making making money. Right. And now he had. Had a big falling out with Alfred, too, that I don't think we mentioned. When he first came back. Yeah. And he first got with Susanna. Mm-hmm. Alfred basically accused him of, like, letting Samuel die. Yeah. When he's saying that, like, oh, isn't it convenient for you that he was out of the way and stuff. What a shitty thing to say, yeah. man. And so he said, I'll forgive you for that once because, you know, we you love her. Right. But if you say that again, we're not brothers. Right. And um, so they they are, you know, not doing well. No. And Tristan goes to um, to see Susanna. Mm -hmm. He sees her out in her garden and they have a little exchange. He does not tell her about Isabel, too. Right. She tries to give him back that bracelet he sent her and he tells her to keep it. And you can see. And actually, I think this might be before Isabel, too. Maybe. I don't remember. I think it is because, I mean, she finds out about it later, but I think this is before Isabel, him and Isabel too get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can kind of see maybe a little bit of wistfulness there. Like she says, you know, forever turned out to be too long and stuff. Yeah. But I think that I think if she had stayed single, like he would have gotten with her. Oh, for sure. Like he came back hoping to be with her. Yeah, and I agree. She wasn't available. And that's kind of what that exchange was. And then he was with Isabel, too. Mm-hmm. So he's bootlicking. He's married. He's got the kids. Did you say bootlicking? <laughs> bootlegging. Uh-huh. Um, there's another scene where it's Susanna and Alfred. And for some reason, Tristan and his little family have gone to Helena for like a parade or a festival or something. Yeah, it's like 4th of July or something. Right. So they run into them. 
and Susanna meets their son, Samuel. Yeah. She had wanted to name their children, their child Samuel, if they had a, a son. She couldn't, apparently but, she couldn't yeah. get pregnant. She so. never had, you know, kids with Alfred or with um, Tristan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's like you can tell she's in a lot of pain seeing him with his family. Yeah. And then on the way home, because he is out in front of everybody with, with his case as a booze. Yeah, you're kind of skipping a couple things here. Am I? Okay, what am I skipping? So there's a scene earlier where Tristan's delivering some alcohol or whatever, and these dudes come up to him, and they're like, hey, uh, so you used to be pretty small time, and that was cool. But now you're horning in on our territory because we run the alcohol around here. So you need to stop or, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to get it. And he's like, yeah, cool, whatever. Um, And the one dude's like, hey, you know, the only reason that you're not dead right now is because your brother is the congressman, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's like, yeah, okay, whatever. So he leaves. Um, And then at this parade, yeah, in front of everybody, he... He's delivering another case of hooch to somebody and taking uh, taking the money for it. So yeah, not smart. And the dude, the dudes, they're two like brothers, like mobster brothers, whatever they see him. Aren't those the O'Banion brothers? Okay, sure, yeah. Well, I just remember the very like when Alfred first goes to Helena, the dad's talking about how he fell in with those darn you know O'Banion brothers or whatever. Like, oh bad yeah, people. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. So that's I'm just. Them. Yeah, so it's weird, like, he's a congressman, but he's associated with these two bad dudes. Yeah, well, that, that happened a lot back then. Okay. <laughs> and never again. No no politician's ever been associated with bad people. <laughs> right. So when they're on their way back home, they get stopped by these guys and, and police. The police. Yeah, they're, they're, they're with the police. And... They shoot off a warning shot. Several. Several shots. Some fucking moron, the police officer, decides that he's going to take his little gat gun and uh, fire off, like, 25 warning shots uh, into the air in this, uh, like, this uh, rocky pass that they're in. Yeah, with kids in their car. (laughs) Yep. Because it was him and his wife and his in-laws and their children. By the way... uh, Real quick, Hmm. public service announcement, because every year, literally every year, I read story after story of you fucking morons out there that love your guns so much that uh, on New Year's or the 4th of July or whatever, let's fire off some celebratory shots into the air. And then, uh, oh, this dude's uh, girlfriend murdered because... uh, he shot some celebratory shots off into the air and, you know, they fall back down, guys, because gravity exists and fucking, you know, kill somebody or I like I, I mean, it's not like an epidemic, but I I hear like five, six people every year when, you know, between the 4th of July and, and New Year's, uh, you know, I read an article about five or six different people being killed uh, because of celebratory gunshots. Stop shooting guns into the air. Yeah. During a fucking celebration. Yeah, guns should not be shot off unless you're trying to kill something. Jeez. So, speaking of killing something, that's what happens to his wife. Yeah. A shot ricochets off of the stony path and gets her. Yeah, I think in the neck, maybe? It was, It looked like it was her heart. Oh, okay. So, um, 
like you said, it was kind of uh, <laughs> stupid of them to think that it would all be okay. Cause... Yeah, well, he goes up. So Brad Pitt is just like, like, cause the, you hear the crying. He turns around, and the mom's in the car. So it's like the mom, his wife, their two kids, and him. And I think I don't don't remember if the dad was there. Or I not. think so. But um, he was driving. The dad was driving. Oh, okay, yeah. So. You know, she's like, mom's like the mom of, of his mother-in-law, the mom of his wife, is like, you know, screaming, crying and everything. The baby's crying and, and stuff. Uh, he goes up. He's like, no, no. Like, you know, he grabs her and everything. It's clear she's dead. Um, you know, the police are like and everything. They're just kind of like looking like, oh, shit, you know. And he um, he just charges the one guy, grabs his machine gun, just starts beating the fuck out of him with it. Well deserved. Oh, yeah. And then the you know the cops they they grab him and everything. Um, the one O'Banion piece of shit is like, uh, hey, he's got an envelope in his pocket. That's, oh God, I forgot about that. They take the money out, you know, and then he like uh, he's like, hey, I told you, you know, what you were gonna get if you kept doing this shit. And then he like hits him in the head with a truncheon. Yeah, I, to fucking rob him on top of everything else, mm-hmm. and then hit him in the head. Oh, yeah, it was bad. Yep. So then his brother comes to tell him that, well, everybody understands he almost killed that guy. So he's got to spend 30 days in jail. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Because then he tells him the guy is only getting reprimanded. Yeah. And nothing's happening to the O'Banion brothers. Right. So he is in jail and Susanna comes to visit him. Yep. And they have the weirdest exchange ever. Like. You were saying earlier that, or like after the movie, you were like, oh, there's like, you know, some foreshadowing stuff in here. What were you talking about? Oh. um, Oh, let me think. Okay. I, th- I think it had to do with the bracelet, but I'm not sure. Or no, no it didn't have it. to do with the bracelet. It was what they were saying to each other. That like, it was like when they were... Something that was said that made me think that she realized that she could have had him. Okay. But I don't remember what it was now. I should have I should have written it down sooner. All right. well, 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 if we think about it, we'll talk about it later. But, but what, anyway, so their, their conversation at the courthouse. Yeah. Go ahead. She says, like, the most inappropriate stuff to him. Oh, yeah. She's like, um, I wanted her to die. Yeah. I, I think I wanted Samuel to die, too. Yeah, like when he went off to war, like, that's so fucked up. Right. And um, she said, sometimes, you know, I, I dream that I'm the mother of your children. Yeah, not a real appropriate thing to say after, like, the the actual mother of his child is dead. Yeah. So, you know, he, he is as kind about it as he could possibly be. Like, mm-hmm. so much nicer than I think most people would be in that situation. I think it's like her last attempt to be like, I want to leave him and be with you. Yeah. Your wife's dead now. Your brother, the one that I was going to marry, also died. We could be together. And because of all the shit he's been through, he's done with her. Yeah. Like, I think it's very clear. And it, not that it's her fault or anything like that, but it's just like his wife is dead. He has no, he doesn't want. Like this, he doesn't want a family or anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he doesn't want this shit. So, like, I think it's her basically saying, like, "Hey, 
um, is there a chance for us? That's the subtext. And yeah. his subtext, subtextual answer is no. Yeah. He tells her, go, go home, go be with Alfred. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> she, uh, she goes home to Alfred and now, like, once he's out of jail, which mm-hmm. you can see him through, looking through the windows at people. Oh, he's just marking faces. Oh, yeah. Um, there's kind of this crossover, like, of things all happening at once. But um, he takes out one of the brothers. Mm-hmm. The dad of Isabel, too, mm-hmm. takes out the cop that killed her. Yep. And at the same time, it, um, Susanna is at a party in her home. Mm-hmm. And she goes upstairs. She walks away from the party, mm-hmm. goes upstairs, cuts her hair, yep. and shoots herself in the head. Yep. So then what happens after that? Like, they're coming. They, they come for him. They come for Tristan. Well, yeah, because like I said, you know, just like they were naive to think that, like, oh, this is, you know, we killed his wife. But this is it. This is, you know, like, it's fine. Like, he got to beat that guy up. It's okay. Like, well, they were so stupid. Now, he was stupid in thinking, I'll kill this guy's brother. Because the cop, who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? Like, like they don't give a shit about that cop. Um, But, like, uh, he kills that dude's brother. And for um Brad Pitt to just be like, that'll probably be fine. Like, that's naive. Too. Right. But, okay. So he was packing a bag. So I don't think that he was that naive. I think he was going to leave. It's just that they got there before he could leave. Okay. But they show up and it kind of turns into like a standoff. Well, you would call it, I guess. I mean, so they had been at the funeral for Julia Ormond Mm -hmm. and Aiden Quinn's like, let me give me a minute with her, you know? So everybody leaves and he's at the grave. Uh, the, I guess that's what it was. They just they went back for the funeral and he was probably going to pack up and leave uh, yeah. Brad Pitt. So he's talking to his dad and, and all that shit. And uh, the, then he sees he sees the fucking uh, brother talking to his son. Yeah. Holding a little gun. Yeah. This little tiny kid. He's like maybe three. Yeah. He's like, this is a gentleman's gun. Yeah, this, this is, is what kind of- you want when you get older. Right. And then his daughter's over there, too. So, um, the, the grandpa, uh, not, not Anthony Hopkins, but the, you know, uh, the, the father of, um, what's her name? The one that got killed. Isabel. Isabel too. Um, you know, he's like, you know, Brad Pitt's like, Hey, grab the kids, you know, and stuff. So he like grabs the kids, gives them to the grandmother, uh, and she goes and takes them inside and everything. And they're like, Hey, you know, you know, we're not here to arrest you. Right. Cause it's the sheriff. Uh, another fucking cop with a, you know, machine gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the brother. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, we, you know, we're not here to arrest you. And he's like, yeah, just take me out to the woods uh, so my family doesn't have to yeah, see Yeah, I don't everything. want my son to see. That's what, my son. Like, he doesn't give a shit if his daughter sees whatever. But. Well, his daughter's a baby, like yeah. an actual baby. Yeah, that's true. Um, So Anthony Hopkins comes out of the house. He's like, what's going on here? Um, and it's like, they're about to start mocking him. Yeah. They, they're like, they're kind of looking at him and they're like, yeah, you know, it's fine. Whatever. Like, no, they're like laughing. They're like, what's going on here? Right. Like, like Colonel, you know, and he's like, and he's like, yeah, what's going on? Like, and then he, so Brad Pitt gave him a rifle 
Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things that he brought back to him. Um, and, you know, he was like, he had the stroke. He's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know. Basically, like, oh, you can't use it. Right. You know? So. And we see just for like a snippet at some point. Him trying him, to put them yeah. together. Yeah. So he'd obviously been practicing with it. Right. So, um, yeah, it's like Chekhov's rifle. So he, um, you know, like, uh, as they're like mocking him and laughing and everything, he goes, yeah, what's going on or whatever. And he like pulls the <laughs> rifle out and just fucking blasts the one brother in the chest as the, the cops trying to get, uh, his, uh, you know, like machine gun, like cocked. He shoots him. The sheriff's pulling uh, his gun out. He's about to shoot the dad. Brad Pitt's like, no, and like does the dive in front of him. Mm-hmm. But before the sheriff can shoot, like another shot rings out. The sheriff drops dead. And they look over and there's Aiden Quinn over there with his rifle. Apparently it's like, you know, heard and seen what was starting to go on. And so he fucking kills the sheriff. Uh, so all three of them are dead. And but everyone else is OK, which is good. So Aiden Quinn comes up and he's like, you know, they're going to they're going to look for you for this. Right. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I know. And he's like, I just want you to you know, take care of my kids and everything. And he's like, Oh, you know, I'd be honored. And you can see their, their relationship is like mended, you know? And then Anthony Quinn's like, I take back my curse because you murdered people uh, (laughs) that work for the government. So now you're, you're good with me again. And uh, they hug and everything's cool with that. And then uh, Brad Pitt goes off into the woods uh, and becomes like a fucking mountain man or whatever. (laughs) Right. And he is the Yeti apparently dies. Uh, fighting a bear in 1963 he lives to be an old man yeah can you imagine that news article uh because like 1963 obviously the you know our time is is different than 1963 Mm -hmm. but what a fucking difference from like 1914 to 1963 and can you imagine that news article uh you know man murdered by bear (laughs) like man fighting bear to death right it's kind of cool, though, because, you know, he had the thing with the bear in the beginning, mm-hmm. and I really thought it was the same bear until you explained that it couldn't be, but... No, bears... Wouldn't that have been so poetic? Yeah, I guess, but, I mean, bears only live, like, 25, 25 years. I, I Maybe, they could maybe live 30, 35 years at the most, I would say, but, yeah, bears don't live that long, and I think it's just, I think it's just symbolic, yeah. That bear didn't have a missing t- uh, like toe or anything, well, I, mean, either, I don't think. We wouldn't have known if it did. <laughs> well, it does. You do see it like kind of like wrap its arms around him. Yeah. And that bear hug. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Yeah. It was, you know, not bad. And but, then one uh, stabs, you know, narrating and he says it was a good death. Right. I want to know how old one stab is because he, no shit. he outlived Tristan. Yeah. And he was old in the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Well, older for sure. I mean, he's got to be like a hundred. Yeah, he's narrating the entire. He's narrating all the, the stuff. He's like, and he, do, you know, he does say that he watched his family grow, grow and watched them raise families of their own. Mm-hmm. So he must have come back. Yeah. From time to time. Yeah. Like he must have been in their lives in some way. Yeah, he just didn't stay there because he would have been in trouble. Right. I mean, maybe after a while, it would have been okay. Because they said they buried the bodies and then just like pushed the, the car into like the Missouri River or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, 
I guess if it got to the point where like the people who really knew what was going on uh, didn't care anymore. Well, yeah, and that's the thing is like eventually, because that case is not getting solved. You know, now it's not right. like they. It's not like they could con- collect uh, like DNA evidence or something <laughs> like that. You know, back then, right? And I mean, I think they did fingerprints back then, but there was no like evidence lying around. It's like. It, it it would it was so much easier to get away with a crime back then than it is now. Yeah, for sure. Lucky for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, what did you think about the movie overall? It was boring. I told you. Really, it's a good movie. It's there are there are some slow parts. Yeah, because not everything has to be like fucking speed to be good. You know. Yeah. I. I think that it's an amazing movie because it focuses on like human emotion and relationships and interactions. And, you know, it's, it's telling a story all the way through. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I I love it. It's a good movie. It's very powerful. Oh, what happened to it? So boring. It was well acted. Yes, it was. I want to watch it again and again and again. Okay. I'm definitely getting it when it comes out on video, but I'm going to go back and see it again in the theaters too. No, we'll have fun doing that. <laughs> you don't why, have to come. Why don't you go see with Brad Pitt? <laughs> Honey, Brad Pitt's got nothing on you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it was... <sighs> I'm trying to think. So, the acting was probably the best part about it. It's an interesting story, you know, about mm-hmm. this about this family's life. And everything. Um, and the times and what was going on. Yeah. Kind of educational almost. It's It, it was, must have been so different. I mean, it's like they lived in like nowhere, mm-hmm. Montana. And dude, built dude this has a stroke. beautiful ranch. What? Yeah, dude has a stroke and it's like, you know, EMS ain't coming out for you. Right. It's like you're either going to be braindead. You imagine like you have a stroke and then it's like, what if no one was there? Yeah. Like he just, he could have just like been there for days, like basically starved to death. Yeah. They said they found him on the floor in the morning by a cold fire. So he laid there all night. Yeah. Horrifying. But uh, that's one thing that I would not like about uh, living in the wilderness. Right. But anyway, um, I mean, the war parts were good. Uh, You know, the parts about the, uh, when they start bootlegging and stuff were good. I guess the only like really kind of part that dragged a little bit was when Tristan wasn't there and we were focusing more on on Alfred. You know, when Alfred was talking about like starting his business and all that stuff. I guess a little bit maybe. But for the most part it was it was pretty decent. I liked the soundtrack too. Yeah, it's not bad. Music was by James Horner. Well, James Horner's a very good uh very good composer. Mm-hmm. James Horner did uh, the soundtrack for, I'm almost positive, uh, Star Trek Two, Okay. The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. I think he did both of them. That's cool. But yeah, yeah pretty good. Well, that's, I mean, that's, that's it. Uh, you know, we haven't done this year. What? We haven't done our blockbuster pick of the week this year. Oh, yeah. Do we have the blockbuster flyer with the upcoming movies? No, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it again. But uh, next week we'll probably do it. Okay. 
yeah, we will we will start taking better care of you guys. Yeah, but uh, why don't you uh, take us home and finish off this episode in style? Okay, so if you you know would like to send us some mail, if you want us to read it on the show, go ahead and write to us at latefee1994 at aol.com. And, um, you know, you can always slip those notes in my locker, leave us some stars, mm-hmm. and tell your friends, and just keep keep listening. All right, we'll, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.